0: hello and welcome to the courageous influence talk show where we have courageous conversations that help build people of courageous influence i'm your host alex cutterford and i'm joined by my mate and pastor caleb dwyer how you doing i'm good mate how are you
1: i'm very well thank
0: you well we have a very special guest with us today uh pastor and speaker shane willard how are you Shane?
2: i'm good guys
0: uh, yeah, we're just so happy to have you on the show. Um, it's a real blessing and saying that uh, we really privilege having you on with us. So thanks for joining us.
2: Likewise. Likewise. Very good.
0: Um, so one of the things I was going to start off with was, one, could you give us a bit of an overview for anyone that doesn't know you about your ministry, your speaking, and some of the other stuff that you're a part of? Um, and then could you also give us an update of how things are going for you currently with all the COVID-19 stuff going on?
2: Oh, well, well, I'll answer this the second one first. Um, so my world uh, pretty well shut down because it, it requires two things: travel and gathering. So until those two things come back together at one time, it's, it's kind of difficult. So what I've done what I've done in the meantime is just create new content, Every day, which it was a practice of mine anyway, I, I, I study um, and create new content two hours every day. As a general rule, it's not like a something I, you know, I'm legalistic about or something, or feel mm-hmm. bad if I miss a day. But um, but I've been I've been doing that. So I, I put out a um, a brand new series on the Book of Revelation that's twelve parts because yeah. I I found the abuses of that book just it was, it was just time to address it, and then. Um, and then, um, and then I wrote a, a series in November um, called "How to Build Faith in Uncertainty," and and we no, just, good timing, we, we, Shane. Right, right. I mean, I, I didn't. It, I had no idea about this, and so I just felt to to write a series about how the nature of faith um, isn't certainty. The nature of faith is profound trust in the middle of uncertainty, and so that the. The I, th- I think we've come close. Nobody intended to. Nobody was malicious. Nobody anything like that. But I think we ruined faith, or we didn't ruin it. We we ruined the word faith by making it a what word. So so if people say faith, it, it, a lot of times it gets dumbed down to what do you believe? Like do you, and do you believe the same things I believe? And if you don't believe the same things I believe, you can't date my daughter. And it, there's it, it, there's there's things like that. But actually faith. Um is better explained in a who do you trust word, not what are the bullet points on your pamphlet. Because right. the truth of it is, is that the the only beliefs that really matter are the ones that are so profoundly affecting our heart that it affects how we live anyway. Mm-hmm. So, because you don't you can you can mentally ascend to certain beliefs without really knowing it. Like if I if I believe I should be kind to my parents, but I'm never actually kind to my parents. Well, that's. What is that? So so I wrote I wrote a whole thing on that. And uh, so what I've been doing, there's a, a large church here in Brisbane that has so graciously and kindly just said, anytime you need, you can have full access to our production crew um, and they do things real professional. And um, and so I've I've recorded 10 different 20 minute messages um, to try to help um, my pastor friends um, with their online content. Um, and yeah. so, so so I've been doing that. Um, but and, but until until travel and gathering are back allowed, it's 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 pretty um, it's it's pretty much halted just simply because the things I do aren't allowed. So yeah. um, so to your first question. Um, so I'm in my 17th year of traveling and speaking. Um, wow. I've uh, before that I pastored uh, on staff. I never was a senior pastor. Um, I was a pastor on staff at two really large churches, like upwards into the three and 4,000 mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and, they, uh, um, and then I, I stepped out from there, um, and the, the short, the, the two-minute version of this story is there was a pastor in Brisbane who had come to one of the churches I was on staff at, and he had heard me um, speak, and he, he rang me and said, look, um, I'm doing a pastor's conference in Brisbane, and you're a very unique voice. I'd like you to fly over and do this with me. And so I did, and then those pastors wanted to book, and um, and there there was one guy in that in that first pastors conference from New Zealand, and so he brought me to New Zealand, and then that happened, and then there was one pastor at that conference from South Africa, and he brought me to South Africa, and he just happened to be the pastor of the third largest church in South Africa. So <laughs> then that was that was that, and then there was one guy at the South African thing that was from London, and then. And so within two years, um, it had it had went it had went all over the world. And um, and this was something I thought I might do for two or three years, and then I fully expected to take like a teaching pastor position at a church, something like that. Um, but uh, but it just kept going and going and going. And before I knew it, I mean it's flown by truly. Before I knew it, um, 17 years um, 17 years into it. Like somebody said to me the other day they had looked at my schedule and they said, man, your schedule's full. You really got, you know, you really got popular fast. And I was like, yeah, and I went, and my initial response was, <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, but then, but then I thought, wait a minute, I've been doing this 17 years. Right. ain't all that fast. You know, mm-hmm. um, you, know you, you see some old footage of yourself and your, you, my hair actually was, had color. And there's, you know, there, there's all kinds of things like that. So, um, so yes, yeah, so for 17 years, I've been traveling primarily to Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, South Africa, um, mostly the UK, but the, the Netherlands has really opened up to me as well. Oslo, Norway, Colding, Denmark, so just um, uh, Rome, Italy, um, and so just really. Uh, and then I I still I still have four months of solid uh, bookings in America, and so that's how my year sort of works. But right now I'm in Brisbane for the foreseeable future. And and look, let's be honest, there's worse places to be locked right. down than in. Flipping Brisbane, Australia. So <laughs> exactly. you know, it's it's a it's a good it's a uh, um, it's it's a good thing. My health care is taken care of here, um, and and you know, Queensland, I think only has like eighty five active cases or something. So um, you know, it's it's a um, it's 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 a it's a good thing.
0: Yeah, awesome,
1: so, Shane. That's probably a good lead into our first question this morning. Um, you know, for the most part us in Western nations, particularly here in Australia, we've dodged the worst of COVID-19 in a lot of ways. No doubt there, you know, people have died. There has been um, sorrow in individual lives, but certainly Mm. nothing like on the scale we've seen other places. And I just wonder, as a person of faith and as a Christian, how should we respond to that when we see some of the devastation in other areas? Is it enough just to be thankful for what we've got? Or should it start to cause us to ask some deeper questions
2: well if it doesn't cause you to ask deeper questions i don't i don't think you're paying attention so it's it's uh, gratitude absolutely i am I, I i am thankful that i am in queensland australia um and i'm thankful that in in america i i only know one person personally that got it um and that was right. my friend jason spears and and our friend actually i'd
1: like to call him our friend yeah
2: <laughs> yeah yeah so so um and and he got it and he you know if if there's a spectrum of five you know there is asymptomatic which most not most but a lot of people asymptomatic and then mild and then medium and then high which you, is pneumonia and you need a hospital and then severe which would be a ventilator he had the medium symptoms where he had a 103 fever for eight days or something which that would you know and that's not none of that is that so it's not something to be laughed at and so i'm thankful um that 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 we're in a place that that, that handled it. Um, but, but the question underneath that question is, is, is that enough? Mm. And I think this thing has caused us to answer. If, if it hasn't caused us to at least ask a few questions, then we're not paying attention. One, I think this thing has, um, has confronted something that, that it should confront. Na- namely, um, if, if you want to confront the things that we use to be pettily divisive with, all you need is a common enemy, right? So, so that's why once a year uh, Hollywood will produce a movie about an alien invasion of Earth. And what happens is is the people who, who didn't like each other before, they're suddenly like, you know what? The thing I was using not to like you, it, it seems petty now. Um, what we do is we're going to put that aside and we're going to to come against this enemy, nice. right? Um, and so, and so in, in the movie, it's always an alien. In, in, in this case, it's a germ. And and so the germ has given the world a, a common enemy that now you know now it's like wait a minute the things that we were using to justify certain other things in terms of being divisive and this kind of thing suddenly doesn't it, it doesn't play that that well w- which leads to this which leads to the next question which is why did it take a germ to do that because things like poverty should do that right, right? Th- things like injustice should do that injustice should be a common enemy of the world mm. right. Poverty should be a common enemy of the world. Suicide should be a common enemy of the world. Child abuse should be a common enemy of the world. And so, so, the, the, so the confronting thing is, is, hang on, what petty things did I allow me to just create another system of us and them which Jesus, if Jesus didn't come for any other reason, it was to destroy the framework of us and them thinking. I mean, like, like the, like the, the, the ancient Jews had us and them clean and unclean down. I mean, I'm talking, they had it statically drawn. And, and and if you, if you just read the gospels, understanding that some of the comedy in it is, you know, Jesus is going, you guys have, clearly called them unclean their whole lives but i'm telling you they're the clean ones and then he would just walk away right so (laughs) he's he's blurring the lines of clean and unclean and in and out and he's calling sidonite women blessed even though there's six verses in the old testament that says all sidonites are cursed and so one of the things that that jesus did was he just clearly showed that he loved people more than the rules we create in um and the in and out lines and so and so what what this has done is it's given us a common enemy, but then it confronts – why did it take this to give us a – it's not like we didn't have common enemies. It's not, it's not like we didn't have poverty. Right. It's, it's, not, it's, 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 not like, it's not like we shouldn't have been confronted before now about something like, what price am I willing to pay myself in order to protect the extra vulnerable? Mm-hmm. Right. Which is, which is what this thing has forced us to, to question. Right. Like, yes. like likely if any of us get it, right. it's, you know, it's not nice. Don't get me wrong. Talk to Jason Spears. Right. But, but he never had to be hospitalized. Right. He thought he was going to one night, but he, he never actually had to be hospitalized. Right. But if, but, but my, uh, my 83 year old pastor that I live with, well, if he gets it, he dies, right. right? So, 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 at what price are we willing? What? How much cost are we willing to absorb ourselves for the sake of the vulnerable? Hmm. And, 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 and in that sense, I'm a bit encouraged, particularly with Australians who, up until now, have have been like, "Look, we'll come together and we'll pay a significant price uh, in, 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 for the sake of the most vulnerable in our society," yeah, and, and that. And, and that should be commended. Um, and, and 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 I got to be fair to these leaders, man. Like, who would want to be these people? Like, right. they're they're having to make decisions in real time. And so now now that the curve is obviously like South Australia had like six straight days with no cases. So so now the pressure is, we'll open, open, open. And so there's this, and 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 look, there's some commercial realities to that too. But but I'm thinking that that if if the virus and the way australia handled it didn't make us gratitude it didn't have gratitude then we've missed something and then if it didn't make us a- ask the questions underneath the questions we weren't paying attention like you know it's like poverty is actually a bigger enemy than this thing is it's mm-hmm. it's affecting more people that, than the thing is and so so what's happening is is you've got someone worth say two and a half million dollars who just lost 15 percent of of their stuff on paper it'll all come back once it rebounds but on paper they have just lost 350 grand and they're like you know they're having they're thinking who's going to commit suicide because they've lost but it's like wait a minute hang on there are people there are there are people in countries that if you put everybody they know together will never think of that number yes so so it's confronting the things that uh that we thought were important. I, th- I tell you one other thing that's hit me. Parti- this is pr- this is particularly because I'm Australian now. Is <laughs> aus- Australians value uh, rest and relaxation more than Americans? Right. Is that right? So, oh my God! Like so 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 the so the number like the by far number one question I get asked as I travel. You know, and I'm am di- in a different spot every three days. Is 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 you know mike when are you going to take holidays Mike? Right? <laughs> and it's and so and so it's it's well, wait a minute i'm self-employed i don't get 17 percent loading when i like i don't right so so what but what this has done is is for some people their highest value is getting to a financial position where you never have to work again and what this has done is given people a taste of what that actually looks like and they don't like it right (laughs) like it's 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 um uh it's it's philosophically it's the sacred object it's if i just have enough money to never have to work again yes i'll be happy but now people are getting a taste of what life is like when you don't go to work and it's like wait a minute i want to go back to work so the it's so it's confronting at least those three or four thoughts and that is why haven't we responded in unity to a bigger common enemy Yes. Um. And what petty thoughts have we allowed to divide us, that a common enemy now has confronted us with, um, and and then of course where have I put value, in um, where have I where have I put value in retirement, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, or or having enough money to not have to go to work, um, you know, and and I'm not and I'm not talking about sixty eight year olds. I'm talking I'm talking about thirty five year olds, um. You, where, where have where have we allowed this to skew what reality actually looks like?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, you started to allude there to one of the questions that I was going to ask you around, what are some of your daily habits that uh, allow you to really make your theology something that truly impacts your life? And, and obviously mm. you've got a, a probably... A deeper theology or maybe a, a wider reading and, and theological understanding the most so yeah. i was definitely keen to ask you how um how you have actually gone about in your daily habits to really make that something that actually changes your heart and the way that you live your life
2: yeah so um so that's a good question so i have, t- I have a couple of thoughts on that one um just because a lot of people wouldn't know me so i, I was born into a fundamentalist system right so uh old school pentecostal holiness my grandmother never cut her hair in her life never wore makeup in her life never wore jewelry never wore slacks never n- never in, never went to a movie never um would have would have thought she'd go to hell for looking at the wine department at the, the the grocery store but but that generation in the south could hate black people that was okay right so so you could so, so you 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 have this real thing where, the, and she got saved to the day she died five times a day, yeah, right? right? Because every time you sin, God left. And so, and so, um, and and I'm I'm positive no one meant to, but I'm, I'm I'm positive that what they did to us was child abuse, and I I don't mean it in the in the physical abuse or any of that. I'm just I mean some of the the ideas they put in our heads. I'll, I'll give you an example of what I mean. Like, hey, boys and girls. Um, be sure when you say your prayers at night before you go to bed that you remember to confess all your sins that day because if you don't and Christ returns, um, he's going to rapture your parents and leave you in the house all alone, right? Well, that that creates
1: – It's a little a, scary.
2: A little scary, right? <laughs> well, what, what it did was is, is it created an ethos where – I was regularly getting up in the middle of the night to make sure my parents were still in bed, which then right. creates another problem on occasion where, you know, mommy and daddy are just wrestling uh-huh. anyway. So you, so, so you have that, so I, that in my church background, but then I went to school at an independent fundamental Baptist school, which was highly academic. Um, and I thank God for them. They taught me how to read ancient literature. They taught me how to interpret things. They taught me, they taught me how to write critical analysis of, of metaphorical literature, like. Nathaniel Hawthorne's *The Scarlet Letter* and Dumas's *The Count of Monte Cristo* right. and Dostoevsky and, and people nice. like that. So, so, so I have that in my background. And then I went to a, a basically a reformed theological seminary. Um, and then I've been I've been mentored for years by a, a, a guy that has like rabbi training, but he's a Pentecostal. So, so, so you got that that mix. And and one of the things that that's helped me in my life. Is as I've grown, I've, I've been tempted to despise some of the fundamentalism um, because it's frankly some of it's nonsense. But but what, what what I realize is that everything belongs in my story. And so if everything belongs in my story, well that 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 fundamentalist part of me, if if I really examine my life and my psyche, it's the part that I cannot read the scripture and not take it seriously. Right. I can't. Right. So if you take if you take that and then mix it with a teachable spirit where everybody's your tea and you hear people out. So and so what one of the things I've found is that Christianity, um, that the the Christian tradition is much broader than I ever knew. Um, And I and I discipline my life to read widely. So um, so I don't I, I don't just read people from one tribe. I try to let everybody's perspective teach me something about God, because mm-hmm. on on my best day, well, I want to talk about myself here. Somewhere walking the earth right now is the rightest person about God it has to be, right? Mm-hmm. So somewhere, and 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 you know, I would say they still haven't scratched one ten thousandth of one percent of what God is, and so and so if if they understand one ten thousandth of one percent, and I understand one ten thousandth of one percent, and we humble ourselves and listen to one another. And go oh, tell me how you read it. Well, we might actually leave with two one thousandths of one percent. And so, it's 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 that kind of thing. And I, I and I see that modeled in Christ. Like you're talking about Jesus Christ here. In how many times did someone ask him something about eternal life, and he's going, Yeah, I don't know you well enough to know where you are. Tell me how you read it. And then and then he hears them out. And then he goes. More often than not, he goes. Yeah, I'll go with that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, Go and do likewise, and you'll live, right? And so, what what I find what I find in Scripture is that God seems to be humble enough to always meet us where we think He is, and then engage our story in order to make it better. Hmm. Um, and so, uh, if I, I could illustrate this with creation, and and this is this is the problem with. The the statement, and I want to be clear about this for all who are listening. I know what people mean when they say this. I'm not mad at them. But when they say, oh, God's so holy, he can't be in the presence of sin. Right? Well, I I know what you mean, but, but that doesn't hold up to scrutiny. It seems like the opposite is true. It seems like that from creation, if God faced darkness, he didn't avoid it. He didn't go, well, I'm too holy to enter into that. He looked at the darkness and engaged it with light to yeah, make well. it better. He like like think about creation. You've got chaos. Did God shy away from the chaos? Did he go, Oh, look, my holiness is offended by this chaos? No. He engaged the chaos to bring new creation. He engaged the disorder to bring order. He engaged the darkness to bring light. And 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 what I find in in the narratives of scripture about real people, that 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 that's just not true in this big creation it seems to be god's character all along like mm. he 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 engages abraham right and and abraham lived in a world where you had to kill children to please god and so and so god meets him right there oh you think you have to kill children um I, all right kill your kid then Right, and Abraham doesn't ask why. He doesn't ask how. He kind of knows how because that's that's their world. And then God engages that level of darkness and disorder and brings and brings a better story. He goes, "Hey, I got this idea. How, how about let's kill animals instead of kids? That'd be good, right?" And right. Abraham's like, "Why didn't we think of that before?" <laughs> right? And then and then and then and then years later, there's this guy named Moses, right? And Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house, and he was taught his whole life the sun was God, right? The sun was a consuming fire. Uh, That if you ticked it off, it was dinner. Right. And then and then if you read the Moses story, when God chooses to reveal himself to Moses, he reveals himself as a fire. Mm -hmm. Like you think I'm a fire. I'll be a fire. But if you're paying attention, um, I'm going to be the kind of fire that doesn't even burn up the most flammable thing in the desert. Right. So so God doesn't avoid Moses's darkness or disorder or chaos. He engages the story and makes makes a new narrative. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what Christ did for the world. I mean like it, by, by the time Christ comes along um, the whole world thought God was Caesar. Which which was perfect if you think about it because oh you finally are at a place where you believe God can exist in a man. That that's great. So I'll come as a man. And I'll and, and I'll turn your world upside down as to what you think. If if God was a man would he be raping and pillaging and oppressing 99% of the world? No. If God was actually a man he would be lifting the lowly to the place of the, he'd be leveling the playing field, hmm. and and so and so what what I find is, is that if God throughout Scripture was nice enough to meet people where they are, engage the story in order to bring a new narrative, then He's been doing that with me. And so I wonder where, I wonder sometimes where God's been trying to teach me some things all along, but I wasn't ready to hear it. And so He just keeps. Putting things in front of me, so in my daily discipline is I try, I try to read, a study or write, uh, two hours every day, um, and and I try to discipline myself over the course of a year to read widely. So like like in the last few months, I've read Tim Keller's *The Cross and the Crown*, right? So yes. which was the, the you know which is a reformed, uh, a reformed theologian's view of of the cross and resurrection and. I found it brilliant. But I also read Dr. Brad Jerzak's A More Christ-like God. Uh, now Dr. Brad Jerzak is a uh, is a was a was a Mennonite youth pastor who had a massive encounter at the Vineyard Revival in Toronto, became a sort of Pentecostal pastor for twenty years and then left that to become an Eastern Orthodox priest and academic. Well wow. and so and so here is a here is a Eastern Orthodox Pentecostalish academic writing a book about the meaning of christ Mm. well he's probably got something to say (laughs) so and i and i will i will get i'll give him kudos on this it was the most profound christology i've ever read and so i mean like if caleb if you'd have asked me before what place does christ have in your life Mm -hmm. i would have said i hope preeminent um but i but i can always do better right like with humility i could do better yes i read that book and I thought, I have to do better. <laughs> like, wow. it's it, yeah, like that book. Um, and it's not that. And once again, because I realize your listeners don't know me, I, I don't. I don't have to agree with someone's with everything someone says to be edified by most of what they say. Right. Right. So I don't mind reading a book, and wrestling through it. Actually, if I read a book that doesn't make me wrestle at all, I'm sort of like, what?
1: why did you bother writing it
2: (laughs) yeah i guess i just need to be affirmed to something so 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 but but tim keller um and brad jerzak are both fully devoted followers of jesus who have slightly different takes on certain things Mm -hmm. um and instead of trying to decide who's right who's wrong who's in who's out which was the first lie ever recorded in the scripture and we should never forget it because evidently it was told by a talking snake look when a talking snake tells a lie remember it right (laughs) which is which is your best life is found in navigating good and evil perfectly right no it's not um versus both of these guys are fully devoted followers of christ and what can they teach me what can they how can they i I love the way the jews say it that truth the truth of scripture is like a 70 faceted diamond and it depends on how you turn it as to how the light refracts through it Hmm. and so and so here's someone out um you know, without without judgment. So, and then of course, I've I've read Peter Rollins as uh, the Divine Magician. Um, so he's an Irish philosopher. Um, Jozek is a um, Dr. Brad Jerzek is a uh, uh, an Eastern Orthodox theologian. Um, uh, Tim Keller is a Reformed theologian. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I've read in I've read N. T. Wright's Revelation for Everyman, who's an Anglican bishop. So I try to allow everyone to be my teacher because all these guys are fully devoted followers of Jesus, mm-hmm. and it's and it has enhanced my life a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, i think it's that humility that you bring is one of the reasons i think generosity church loves you so much uh is that you bring this amazing balance within a really s- making whilst making a really strong point at the same time um sure. it's something that you know you pull people into the main point um and it's and i think it's something that flows through generosity church that uh, appreciation of many different voices just on the weekend pastor ben preached and i'm pretty sure i had a john piper quote and then probably Mm -hmm. another pentecostal quote yeah and a sort of um yeah yeah, so uh that's a really well as if
2: as if a guy that's in a i mean john piper has has forgotten more about what he's done for god than i'll ever do right and so 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 let's say i have a slightly different atonement theory than him
1: right yes
2: as if he can't teach me something about the nature of Christ revealed in Romans. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? Yeah. He, he's forgotten more about the book of Romans than I would currently know. So, so the, the idea that all, you know, and, and I think that um, the number one test of, um, of prophecy in the first century was did it line up with the disposition of Messiah? Was it compassionate gracious slow to anger abounding in love and forgiveness hmm. and and if it was compassionate gracious like remember in the first century there was no Bible the Bible was in the it wasn't put together to the early 300s so they in, in a New Testament prophetic world they couldn't they couldn't judge it by. Does that line up with the New Testament? There was no New Testament, so so they their judgment was was that delivered in a manner consistent with the disposition of Messiah. Was it compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiveness? Hmm. And um, and so when I teach um, right, wrong, or indifferent, which a lot of what I say is right, um, a lot of what I say is a lot of what I say is wrong. There's no way ten years from now I'll listen to something I did today and go nailed it no way because i would have grown in that in that process and so really we want to communicate with that uh with that uh, i love the way paul says it he he says um rejoice in lord always and again i say rejoice let your gentleness be made known to all for the lord is near in other words for paul an awareness that god is with us should automatically result in a fruit of a gentle spirit Mm -hmm. Which, which which was Jesus's whole thing like you know blessed are the peacemakers those are the sons of God hmm. and, and I think I think as communicators um, I think it's important that, that we keep in mind I'm 44. Um, I have never once been able to shift someone who started with a conclusion not once and I'm at least of average intelligence and so it's, so we can at least deduce that trying to coerce someone, who's digging in doesn't work. So in my communication style, what I do is I make a strong point, but then I leave the audience with questions because you can't be offended on a question. If you're offended on a question, it's you, right? Yes. So if I say, if I say God is against greed and he's for generosity, so you better be generous, you better get up here right now and commit to generosity. Well, um, that's less effective then if we've made the point that God is anti-greed and pro-generosity, are you generous? Tell me a story about in the last seven days whose life you've affected. Um, that you, who, wh- where have you treated someone kindly who has no ability to pay you back? Um, those questions then invigorate a part of the brain that doesn't allow the defense mechanism to go up. Mm. Um, it, 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 it inv- it invokes the part of the brain that uh, uh, that allows exploration, which is which is much better.
0: Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Um, one of the things that you often do finish your sermons with is that idea of I want you to grapple uh, mm-hmm. with this. A sermon's designed to be grappled with, not to be agreed with. Um, yeah. And yourself, and probably Caleb as well. Get this at the end of a a talk. You will have finished by saying that and then the first thing they will come up and say to you guys is just start talking about, man, you're such a good speaker, man, you uh, you speak so well, and, and uh, um, uh, talking more about the form rather than actually grappling with the idea that was presented. What would mm. be three questions that uh, you would recommend someone to be asking themselves to uh, best mm. grapple uh, with a sermon?
2: Yeah, I think I'm glad you brought that up because I, because, one point of clarification um, and the reason is I'm bringing this up because it came up this week is I always say great sermons are not meant to be agreed with or disagreed with. Th- those are declarations. Great sermons are meant to make us wrestle. And I thought I was I thought it was obvious that I was talking about um, wrestling with how do I apply this to my life? Like where am I a peacemaker? Like, in, in, if 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 God if Jesus called peacemakers, the sons of God. Am I a peacemaker? Mm. And, 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 and it's, it's intended to make us wrestle for application. And I had a, a very no, n- nice person. They weren't being malicious at all, but they see words matter less than our imagination of how a word functions. Right. So um, so when they heard me say sermons are meant to be wrestled with, they heard I'm meant to criticize right. everything my pastor said. Push back. I I'm, 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 I'm meant to push back. And 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 um, I had never in my life considered anybody would take it that way, but the but the fact that someone did m- makes me now I'm gonna clarify that that it's 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 wrestling for application, N- not to be hypercritical of the person yeah. bringing the message, right? Yeah. So, um, uh, but but you know the the thoughts around, um, application wrestling would be. One, where can I find myself in the story? See so, so good preaching has at least two elements. One, a clear explanation to the best of our ability about what happened. But then secondly, and this is more important, is an exploration of what's happening in me right now because of what happened. So if you if, right. if, if a great preacher um, puts out uh, does a great exposition of say the Good Samaritan story, Okay, And so they, 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 and they, they do 15 minutes, 20 minutes of, of just incredible, entertaining, interesting, thought-provoking insight onto the Good Samaritan story. If we walk away from that going, amen, well, I think we've missed the point. I, I, think, I think the better questions are is, is who, who am I in that story? And am I the person asking Jesus, who's my neighbor? Right. Am I that guy? Am I am I am I the person trying to justify who do I need to treat kindly and who am I allowed to just walk over? Mm -hmm. Right. Am I that person? Um, And so I think the first thing is to see the narrative as a story that's universal in scope in terms of we should all find ourselves somewhere in that story. Right. And then and then the second question is, is, is in an existential, concrete way. In what way am I exhibiting the highest ethic revealed in the story by Jesus? Right. So the highest ethic revealed in the story by Jesus in that case was mercy, was having having mercy, being concerned with mercy more than law keeping, which was the which was the which was the point. And incidentally, he was talking to a lawyer. Right. So um, so 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 the, the questions I would start asking is is is. Who am I in the story did I walk over someone this week either overtly or inadvertently uh, on my way to do something for God um, wh- where wh- where have I where have I uh, made something and then, then of course there's another question in the story which is which is am I a racist do do, do I um, do I automatically label someone out because of their race mm. which that would have been at play in that story um, because the Samaritan would have been ugh, and and the, 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 the Pharisee that's asking the question would have never considered the priest and the Levites good people. So that, because there was a big rift between the priest and Levite. So so that story is revealing all kinds of things around around in and out thinking, us and them thinking, clean and unclean thinking, um, race, racist thinking. And then it's also revealing some things around, what am I doing with my resources? Um, am I sharing uh, my good gifts with people? Am I am I looking for ways to meet needs with no expectation of return? And so and so part of part of of good preaching is is clearly to the best of our ability explaining what happened, but then taking a, 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 a significant amount of time and thought to frame questions around helping the audience find themselves in the story. Nice. Like like a, like a GC conference last year, I closed the conference um, with a, a sermon I do called The End of Hostility, that the cross isn't just the forgiveness of sins. It's something to be inspired by that inspires followers of Christ to be people who de-escalate conflict instead of escalating it. Right? And and I ended it with Peter cutting the guy's ear off. And Jesus' Jesus's response to the guy leading the charge to kill him was to take a second and put his ear back on on his way to the cross. Mm. That that is the, Now, if we can look at that and go, amen, that's right, he did that. What? Versus looking at that going, how can a guy be treated that unjustly and still care about that guy's ear? I want to be like that.
1: Yep, nice.
2: You know, and, then, and then the next question would be, whose ear am I currently slicing off? Like, obviously, metaphorically. <laughs>
1: Hopefully, metaphorically. And,
2: and 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 is there anybody is there anybody in my life right now who thinks their ear is cut off? Because remember that guy was a priest. Right, it made him. And if he had if mm. he had any physical mm. blemish, he's disqualified. Yes. So, um, so so basically, Peter was disqualifying him from ministry, which leads to all kinds of questions like, who have I disqualified? Mm. And. And am I, more importantly maybe, am I looking for ways to disqualify people instead of looking for every way possible to reconcile them? Um, and, and so these are, these are things that make me then wrestle for application.
1: So Shane, how do you live with such a, you take theology and you make it really personal. Um, mm. It has to impact your daily life, as Alex said, but then you don't want to become just a neurotic mess where your faith is all about you and right, your right. world, and bless me, God, and fix my problems, God, and this really sort of low-level uh, version of terrible. Christianity. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. How do you get that balance between, I want it to be personal, I want to wrestle with in my world, yeah, but I don't want to just become narcissistic almost. I think there's a, yeah. a whole branch of Christianity that's becoming incredibly narcissistic.
2: And boring, right? As I mean, as as soon as it becomes around, how can we get this exactly right? And what you know, you're, it's just it's just boring. And so and so for me, I just have a I, I have a, a statement I tell myself all the time. Um, just it's like a re- repetitive thought, and and that is and that is the action is out there. Um, that if that if 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 what I'm doing if what I'm doing in here does not somehow affect how I treat my neighbor out there um, then I'm missing the point and then I have to ask the second question which is name it where is it affecting it mm. otherwise I get otherwise I can let myself off with a platitude right, right. and and that that and that's not good and so to, and to the preaching point one of the things I try to do as a communicator is I start I all I, if you if if you pay attention to to the, to the way I speak and you'll hear it now that I'm letting you in on it so I always start with something broad and then as it goes down, it always comes to some sort of point that is very pointed. So uh, so an example I'll give you is like I, I do a message on Palm Sunday where, where Christ is coming in on a donkey. And the irony is, is that Pilate is coming in on the other side of the city on a war horse. And. Uh, And and I go through 20 minutes of the history of Rome and how this was happening and why Pilate was even in Jerusalem. He lived in Caesarea and what was going on at Passover. And there's there's all kinds of entertaining history with it. But when it come down to the point, my question was, um, are you building your life? On the back of the war horse, or are you building your life on the back of the donkey? So, so, so the way you're, the way your husband, are you a war horse husband, or are you a donkey husband? Are you a war horse business owner, or are you a donkey? So, are you a, are you an oppressor, or are you a liberator? Are you, are you a, a boss, or are you a servant? Are you, are you bringing hell to your world? Are you bringing the presence of God to your world? Are you? Um, how do you treat your wife when she disappoints you a little bit? How do you treat your husband when he leaves his underwear on the floor for the 18,000 mm. ton? How do you treat someone who cuts you off in traffic? How do you treat someone who cuts you in line at the grocery store? How do you so, so there's always two ways to respond in our world. We can be war horses or we can be donkeys. And so um, and so th- what started off as a big huge concept. historical and theological concept, I always try to make sure because I'm gonna lose some people in that part, even though some people love it but 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 as I come down, um, I'm I'm bringing it. I'm trying to bring it home to. Uh, someone ran the red light in front of you. Nice. Um, now what? Mm-hmm. Um, um, someone. Hey hey the waitress, at the uh, at, at the restaurant, is is taking four minutes instead of two minutes to get your drink order. Outrageous. W- with without with without right with, without without realizing that just being in a world where we can go and order someone to cook us food makes us royalty from 500 years ago Hmm. right so um you know if 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 i can if i can walk across the street from the hotel in dubbo to that awesome indian restaurant and and have have those people dote over me and, and hey can i bring you anything else would you like some roti would you like right if I can then somehow complain about their timing, um, I've lost perspective on what it actually, it's not even about pleasing God. It's about being a human being nice. that God's called me to be.
0: Before we finish up, but I thought, so Caleb and I and our church have been reading through the Gospel of Mark. Okay. Um, and so I was keen just to ask you, Maybe you can give us a bit of maybe some overview of your thoughts around Mark because we've shared our thoughts, but um maybe this will be a Mark to see how wrong we've been getting it over (laughs) the
2: weeks. (laughs) You there will be no wrong. It's just adding to the the (laughs) diamond. That's our one percent. Um,
0: so could you maybe expand a bit on your thoughts on I guess Mark as a whole?
2: Well, so Mark was most likely the first gospel written, and it was the source material to to the other three. Um, and, and, and it's, it's actually the most concise gospel. So he, he, like, like Mark's like the, the, if, if you see Mark as a movie director, he's like, okay, on to next action. He's like uh, the, he's the quick boom, 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 boom. Um, if I, I, um, if you, if you think, if you think through, there's some, just some great passages, um, in there, in your reading, what particular part are you up to? I just
1: read nine and 10.
2: Yeah. Nine, nine and ten. Um, I have to refresh. i have to refresh myself a little bit. <laughs> yeah, on... You're
1: awesome. If you awesome. man, if you were
0: able to go, what? Where are you up to? I, I was gonna ask you about the transfiguration. Yeah. Um, and maybe what insight you could give into what was going on there that maybe the average reader isn't picking up. Sure. On.
2: Well, uh, okay. So, so one of the things I see in the transfiguration, um, immediately is peter's response to it like so there's this amazing thing going on right and uh and 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 then if you and once again try to find yourself in the story right so there's this there's this, let, let's call the transfiguration an amazing spiritual experience right like pretty special pretty special yeah, yeah. Pretty and and peter's immediate response is, is to start three factions of churches right so he's like what if we build a thing for elijah from, right right and so uh, and so peter's immediate response was let's create divisions that clearly define and it, and it was and it was uh um it, it was evidence to peter's world like right? like peter's world was clean unclean galilean not galilean right like because the galileans were considered the rednecks par- partly partly because they could they couldn't say the word they couldn't say the letter g so so they so so the way you say galilee is galilee but if you're actually a Galilean, they say Jalilean, right? Hmm. So 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 that 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 was part of the and, and it was it was a source of humor and insult and
1: Yeah, you'd think they could get know, it right being their own area.
2: Right, right. So 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 but the rich people lived in Judea. Mm-hmm. So all the money was in Judea because that's where the temple was, which was the bank which was corrupt in their Roman sympathizing. So the Roman sympathizers were enriching themselves on the back of the Galilee. And so, so, so when, when they, um, remember when they confront Peter and they say, um, th- they say, we know you're one of his followers. You're a Galilean. Yes. And Peter goes, I'm not a Galilean. <laughs> so you can't, you can't, you, you can't hear it in the, t- in, in, when you read it, but this is what would have happened. Hey, we know you're one of his followers. You're a Galilean. And Peter goes, I'm not a Galilean, <laughs> And, and, and they say, no, see, we <laughs> yeah, can, right. it's in your, you gotcha. can't hide that. Right. Right. So, um, and and so Peter's world was consumed with who's in, who's out, who's clean, who's unclean. There's still a hierarchy of who's the closest to God. I mean, even in the t- temple itself, outer, inner, right? So there was this. The, the Gentiles might be allowed here as long as they're buying our stuff. But then, you know, right? So there's there was this whole in and out framework that 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 Jesus like like look. did jesus forgive sins yes he did but what he did was so much more profound than that it was destroying entire frameworks of in and out and then you have this transfiguration thing going on and um and and peter's response is okay we've got three specific things that we can let's build one here one here one here and it's like oh peter like 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 you're just you would just be trading one system of in and out for another Mm -hmm. like like what are you doing so so you've got that then the other thing you see there is you you see you see the gospel writer um mark um tying tying three tying three things together that are very important like what role does moses play what role does elijah play because they they, there was a sect of of judaism that thought the the coming messiah would have been like elijah's inspirited right like like a a thing. And so what you, what you see what you see in the transfiguration is is mark setting mark setting Christ apart as different special and unique from the other two heroes. And 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 that's like like what you thought Moses brought awesome but this is better. This is this is Moses 2.0. Hmm. Right? Um, what you thought Elijah brought to the scene Christ is infinitely more so so you see you see this differentiation, mm-hmm. but then I, I find it funny that that, that Peter, in, in instead of making Christ preeminent at that point, he wants to build three, right? He went, okay, let's. Who do we belong to? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is this massive, massive question about belonging, and um, and and if if I was going to apply that, if, if if I was going to apply that to to my life, I'd start asking questions like, if Christ is preeminent, then I should be less concerned. With who's in and who's out, versus what direction are people facing, taking their next small yes towards Christ, mm. and um, and where where am I guilty of hierarching myself above others, and and how would I have responded in this situation? Would it actually raises questions about my own doubts, and um, and would I have not believed myself, and would I have talked myself out of such a, a of such a thing? And so uh, without going back and reading the whole passage, that, that those are things that just come up to my mind pretty quickly.
1: Awesome. Well, Shane, thank you so much for your time with us today. We really appreciate it. Um, my pleasure, guys. I think every time we talk with you, we learn something yeah. and are inspired to. One of the things I love about your ministry, Shane, is that you always make Jesus and the cross bigger and you leave us with a passion for the Word of God. And so I want to yeah, honor you and appreciate it for your time. Really, really, and really always
2: good. remember the actions out there. Yeah, so that's a great thought. Let's let's be inspired. And I I, I appreciate you too, Caleb. Caleb you've uh, to affirm you. You've made me a better person, and um um I've uh I've never had a conversation with you once that I didn't leave changed at least one or two degrees, and uh, and what I feel like happened in this podcast is. Uh, is, is that we let people eavesdrop on what we talk about at the Thai restaurant? Anyway. Right. And, yeah, and it's 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 pretty cool. Awesome, thank you, Shane. Really appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much, yeah. mate. I um yeah, actually thanks, I re- I remember a couple of years ago. I don't think it was the last GC conference you're at, but the one before, and yeah. you ended it this really hammering home some encouragements to some of the local pastors and people in the church, and um, oh, yeah. and you and you really um. And you this gave this amazing encouragement to Caleb and I actually, and I already like, I fell in love with the Caleb, with Caleb the moment I met him, but I remember as you're <laughs> encor- okay. encouraging him, um, that really reminded me just how to appreciate the person next to me, not just the person that, you know, is, you know, the speaker that's come from the States and has, sure. is going to blow your mind. Um, but also reminding me to this, um, appreciate what's right next to me. And, and that's always, uh, something that's, uh, allowed me to always appreciate Caleb and the guy next to me, not just, um, the amazing guest speakers that come along. So, um, thanks yes. for that. Yes.
2: Yeah. You, you guys at GC are surrounded by just awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah. Awesome people.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, mate. Hey, Rain. thanks
2: guys. Thanks, James. Pleasure, it. man.
0: We'll see you, mate. Uh, so thanks for listening to the Courageous Influence Talk Show. Uh, make sure you follow us on YouTube, on Spotify. You can find us on the Courageous Influence Talk Show podcast. Uh, and you can also find us at Generosity Church, Bathurst, Facebook, and Instagram. So we'll see you around. Bye.